Um, some of these tools are generally applicable to all of us and some are more appropriate for a larger scale um, operation. You know, uh, Desley and I and our young people, I don't know, I've never really measured it up how much we're growing on, but over an acre, I think. Um, and these tools are the difference between madness and sanity, although some might suggest that we're still straying on the madness side, um, or even maybe possible and impossible. Okay? Um, and we, I don't really want to take the time to talk about all of them. Um, you can come and talk to me afterwards. Um, but just absolutely fantastically appropriate technology for the sort of scale that most of us, I think, are thinking of, especially those that aren't relying on tractors to do their planting and cultivation. So it ranges from, okay, um, you know, the first thing we need to do is prepare our garden bed. So here we have what's called a broad fork, and there's lots of different types of these. But this is an amazing tool that helps you prepare your soil and you can see how long the tines are and it's just a matter of pushing it into the soil with your feet and if your saw is anything like mine when we started off, I had to jump up and down and wiggle with this and to get it down and then you just crack the soil. Okay? You don't turn it over, you just crack it and then you come back six or eight inches and you do the same again. And my testimony is that our soil is extremely... Okay, I'll just use a simple adjective. Extremely poor and difficult. Um, not quite as bad as Richard's, I don't think, that he described the other night. Um, but we couldn't grow carrots. They were all just forked. And after using this, um, you know, three or four times over three or four different crop cycles, we can successfully grow beautiful carrots. Um, it's just been fantastic. And it lets, it aerates the soil, you know, it, it, helps to adjust the biology down there and it's, it's building topsoil for us. I can see it, our soil is improving in front of our eyes. So I really, yeah, fantastic, the broad fork. Um, and then after the bed's prepared, we want, to, we want to plant and one of the tools that I brought home from America from John and Pam's uh, farm um, is this four row cedar, okay? And this is fantastic for small seeds. And, you can adjust it for various size seeds, and size seeds and you put your seeds in each of these hoppers and you just pull it through the prepared ground and it opens a little furrow and drops the seed in. So you're planting four rows at once. You know, have you ever opened a furrow to plant carrots and then come along and tried to sprinkle the seeds? So, absolutely. Okay, I don't want to say anything more about that. Oh, I forgot this one. Oh dear, this is my favourite. Maybe my second favourite. Or my third favourite. Um, so after the broad forking and you use your, your fertiliser or whatever you're doing, you want to rake your bed nice and smooth. And this is so light, come and play with it. It's so light and it's just so ergonomically perfect and the right width for the beds that I use. And oh, it's, it's a sweet rake. Okay. And then when you want to plant your transplants out, you just slip these little plastic things on here like this and you use that to mark your rows. So all of my brassicas I plant in three, three rows to a bed. So I just run along like that, and if I want to, I can just cross-hatch it like that so I know exactly where my plants are going to be transplanted. Um, just beautiful. And then what is our favourite part of gardening? Weeding. Cultivating. We don't weed. Okay. <laughs> if, if we're weeding, 
if we're weeding, we are unfaithful husbandmen. And if any of you come to my garden tomorrow, um, you'll see how unfaithful I've been over the last month or so. Okay, so a couple of tools. Um, this is our favourite tool. Um, this is called a stirrup hoe. And you know with an old hoe, you go like this. You remember doing that? Okay, well this one, you stand up straight and you go like this. It cuts both ways as you're going forward and backwards. Uh, come and have a play with it. Take it outside and dig up some palm tree. Oh no, we're not um, affecting. Okay, that's, you know, we used to use English hoes in our garden and the children as we walked down the hill towards the garden, they'd say, what are we doing this morning, Dad? And I'd say, cultivating. And they'd walk slowly down to the shed and get the old hose. This is the first one of these new tools that I bought. And we'd be walking over the hill, down the hill towards the garden and they'd say, what are we doing this morning, Dad? Cultivating. And the three of them would break into a gallop to try to be the first one to get to this. <laughs> because then they could use this and the other two and me had to use the English hose. So I bought multiple ones of them, and so everyone's happy. And then there's this what's called the collinear hoe. Okay, this is an invention of Heliot Coleman, and fantastic. Just see, we want to cultivate when the weeds are really small. Okay, and then these tools just come into their own, and they just ah look. We don't have time to go into this, but it's just fantastic. And then down here, this is the the best of them all, I think. And this is called a wheel hoe, and We've got a photo, um, but first of all I'll explain. So once again there's an oscillating stirrup, you can see that with a sh blade sharp on both sides and so whether you're pushing or you're pulling, it's cutting the weeds, cutting the weeds off and as you go it also turns the weeds over so it exposes their roots and if you do this on a, you know, on a sunny day, those weeds are dead within an hour or two, never to come back. Okay, Absolutely fantastic. Uh, David took this home on Thursday, okay, and David's got a, a oh, look at that soil. <sighs> Thou shalt not covet. Um, so David's got this problem with nutgrass up there on Red Hill where he and his family grow avocados and, and veggies. And um, have we got two slides here? Yeah, that was um, 7.30 at night. 7.30 at night, they got home with the wheel hoe? An hour later? Okay. This is how fast you go down these rows, okay? Like that. Now, you compare that with what you're doing with an English hoe. You're still back there, aren't you? Okay. Absolutely fantastic. We don't... Pardon? Aisles and beds. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I can't recommend these tools high enough. Um, and then over here, um, I think... You've probably heard John and Pam sharing about their son Jonathan, the agriculture inventor, farmer's friend. Look it up on the internet, he's got some fantastic things. And this young man, how old was he when he invented this? 16, come on. You know that it says in the spirit of prophecy, that as it and I'm paraphrasing here, as it becomes harder and harder to grow plants, agriculture is going to become harder and harder, that God would inspire people to invent tools to make it easier. This is one of them. You know, God, I really believe God inspired Elliot Coleman and Jonathan together 
and the other people that helped Jonathan build this thing. This is called a quick cut greens harvester. You know how mescaline or these salad mixes are really popular these days? You know how the people used to cut it? With scissors or with a very expensive tractor drawn piece of equipment. And then Jonathan invented this. And basically you put a cordless drill on here which turns an oscillating blade. See this bread knife blade and young people, we've lost the guard. The young people of God. This is an extremely sharp blade that goes backwards and forwards like an electric bread knife. And these, then these pieces of macrame, can you see how it's working? These pieces of macrame flick over and flick the leaves into this hopper. And you can, ah, oh, it's just fantastic. So this is a market gardening tool, right? Okay. Maybe not worth the investment for a home garden unless you really love your mixed salad leaves. Okay. <laughs> but there's this range of appropriate tools. Okay. I can't impress on you how important they've been to us in our learning process and our quest to become productive. So, these are difficult to get in Australia. There's one supplier that's been supplying them for a little time. Um, but we decided, Eastwood decided that we need to make these more available. And so our first shipment of these tools is sitting in Sydney right now. They were supposed to be here for this conference, but they got delayed on the way in Bangkok. So we've bought a, a whole range of these tools, except we don't have any of these coming at the moment, the quick cut greens harvester. But these tools that are applicable to market gardening or home gardening alike, we've got a shipment of those coming. So if you're interested in at all, um, just go to the Eastwood website and I'll put a link up. But our little business is called Gardener's Toolbox. Okay, and we, this is, we're just launching this gardenerstoolbox.com.au. There's not even a website there yet, okay? So just, and I'll send out an email to you all when they become available, which is Monday, um, <laughs> as soon as they arrive. All right, any questions about those before we move on? No? Great. Okay, welcome everyone to what we've called our general forum. And as I said before, we're looking to give you opportunity to ask any questions that have so far been answered. Um, to make suggestions and to have a discussion about where we might go with this movement. But before we do that, can we kneel together to pray? Lord, we're just conscious that we are at a very important time in history. And we don't believe it's a coincidence that any of us are here uh, this weekend. Lord, we trust your leading and guiding because we know how much you love us and we know that you're not willing to just let us float through life without you providing opportunities for us to, to come in contact with your will and, Lord, decide what we will do with that. We thank you for your counsel and your guidance that you've, it seems that you've more richly bestowed upon us more than possibly any other people in the modern era. Thank you so much for that. But Lord, at the same time, we apologise that we have been and largely are still ignorant of it. 
And two, Lord, we confess that we have often become aware of your will and then chosen our own pathway anyway, both as individuals and as a people. And Lord, I thank you that we're here, that we can reconsider that, that we can be exposed, maybe for the first time, maybe again, to your will for us as individuals and families in in this context, because we know your will is so much broader than what we've talked about, but we see that what we have been talking about is such a foundation. Lord, we want to be in your school. We want you to be our instructor. And so, Lord, may we keep these things in mind as we discuss not only this conference, but also what may be before us. And we want you to guide in that. And Lord, we see that as your truth. Your will equates with your truth. And you've promised, Jesus himself promised that you would send your Holy Spirit and he would lead us into all truth. And so that's what we ask for here. Reveal your will to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So a bit of procedure. Um, We have our panel here. They're very happy to answer any and all questions that you may put to them. And if you run out of questions, I've got a few for them myself. All right, we have a microphone set up down the front. So please, your questions or comments, suggestions, I'd like you to come down. And again, I would ask you to keep it brief. We're not always the best at doing that. And here I am talking for half an hour as preliminaries, you know, okay. So I'm not going to say anything more. Come on down, ask your question, make your comment, but please keep it brief and to the point. And please keep it in context. We don't want to talk about, I'm sorry, our American brothers and sisters, we don't want to talk about Donald Trump today. Okay. I just share that as an illustration as we want to keep it in context. Okay, so is anyone ready to start or will I start asking questions? Ah, good on you, Tony. Thank you. And panellists, you're aware, please, any or all of you, if you've got something to contribute, please do that. So what's the, what is the process of moving into the country successfully in regards to isolation, self-sufficiency and power and others? So shall we put that on the agenda for next conference? <laughs> Would anyone like to, like to briefly... Tony, did you go to the Country Living Stream? Okay, the first suggestion I have is that you avail yourself of the audio and the video um, because I know Justin and Yvette covered a lot of those things in their preliminary uh, two-hour session. Um, would anyone like anything to, like to add anything to that? Okay, that was a little bit difficult. So we'll just ask you not only to keep it to the point, but keep it coherent. So, Tony, Tony, can you come back? Just ask the question a little bit more slowly. What is involved in moving into the country as we see prophecy being fulfilled and we see the urgency of living independently? What do you see? What do you recommend for us to prepare ourselves for that move into the country? Thank you. The first thing is to examine the counsel we've been given and if there's still any more questions in regards to the counsel, is to take it to prayer. That's my answer, really. <laughs> okay. 
There are some some good resources out there, and again, the ones I'm aware of are are American, but I think much of the information would be applicable here. Um, Dave Westbrook has a Country Living University that has a lot of good information on it, and then the Meisner family. Um, Could you spell that, John? M I Z. No, is it? M E I S S N E R, maybe? It's Mountain Media Ministry. Um, both the parents and the son are involved in that ministry. Um, another key word you might search for is sustainable preparedness. I think maybe that's the name of their website. But uh, both Adventist families that are helping people to make this move to the country, and they have a lot of DVDs and information. Thank you, John. Okay, Edwin? Um, I, one, one thing I would just like to add is Ellen White has a lot of counsel against making precipitous moves to the country. And, you know, it, John mentioned so many people get all fired up and they, they make the move and then they just can't, you know, they can't make a living. They can't, they can't stay and they end up going back to the city. Ellen White really counsels to know what you're doing, have a plan, and, and know that, that you're able to work that plan before you make the move. Thank you. Okay, any further questions? Ah, thank you. This is a question from my mother, but in your last meeting, Whitmer, you said that every school of agriculture rejects the standards. Which standards were you referring to? Well, like we, we have the, uh, the Ten Commandments as a standard. Well, in the soil, you have mineralization as a standard. And if you look at every one of the schools of thought in agriculture, they'll either espouse uh, organic matter or they're focusing on energy um, or they're, they're only accepting limited aspects of a standard. But nobody is actually accepting a full standard. And when you talk to people who are very supportive of this, um, ways of those schools of thought, they become very offended when you talk about a a standard that, of accountability that you actually have to measure something after. So that's what I was referring to. There is actually a standard in, in the soil, just like there is a, a standard of the Ten Commandments. And in fact, in my class I shared that there's more than the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Spirit of Prophecy in the second volume of the Testimonies, page 770, says that there are laws that govern our being, and to violate them would be the same as breaking the Ten Commandments. So there is a standard. Uh, we don't like that standard because we don't measure up to it. But there still is one. And, and so you're suggesting the standard in the soil is the addressing of each of the laws that are applicable to the soil. Exactly. And it really comes back to the mineralization part of it um, because it affects the rest of the condition of the soil. When, when you look at the different components, the the, the gas phase, the solid phase, and the, and the liquid phase, 
It's actually the solid phase or the determined phase, which is actually representative. When you look at man, when he was formed from the dust of the earth, and he was made in whose image? He was made in God's image. So that form is a standard of God, of, of the image of God. Um, and so you, when you look at that, you have to, there is a standard there to be measured. And we don't like, um, like I said, most schools of thought don't accept that standard or just outright, they ignore it or outright reject it. Thank you. Um, once again, um, this is the reason why we've recorded all of the seminars is so that those of us that haven't sat in all of the presentations can avail themselves of it, of it later on. So you probably took a whole class to cover those 15 sentences that you just shared. Yeah. yeah. I like 10 hours. 10 hours, okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, next questioner. Please, please come and sit down the front uh, near the microphone so you, you're good to go so we don't have gaps in between. Excellent, Matthew. This may have been addressed, but you've just said that we are going to have access to this resource. In How is that going to unfold? How do we access that? Uh, yet to be determined exactly. Um, so we've approached Audioverse to see if they'd be interested in taking all the audio. So that would be free download streaming or download or streaming from their website, um, audioverse.org, is it? And if you're not familiar with Audioverse, write a note, Google it right now and look at it because it's the most fantastic resource of Adventist resources. Absolutely fantastic. Whether you're interested in prophecy, current day events, agriculture, you know, practical Christian living, it's, it's all there, okay? Thousands of high quality presentations. And so we'd love, Matthew, for this to be added to that. You can also go there and see the audios from how many at Agri Conferences? Three. You know, Audioverse can be rather overwhelming because there's thousands and thousands of talks on there. But um, if you swipe to the side or, or press on the menu thing, you can search by speaker, by topic, by conference. So you can you can look under agriculture, and there's there's lots of presentations, not just from our conference, but other ones as well. Um, you can search by conferences. So you go to Adventist Agricultural Association and, and it will have all the things under there. Yeah. If, if that doesn't happen for some reason, um, I haven't talked to our technical guys because I'm an ignoramus when it comes to that, but we'll be providing them on our, uh, the audio on our website, I envisage, because we'd really love that to be free so it can just go. Okay, um, and I envisage also we'll be able to produce CDs for those that, that are more comfortable with that archaic technology. Um, and then the DVDs, yeah, we'll be editing them over time as the guys have capability and making them available. Um, so that, that's the stream, everything that was filmed in here, um, the beginning of the country living and also Whitmar's um, stream that Dave Arfalay um, recorded for us. So. Yep. Absolutely. There's quite a number of things that we're going to need to inform you of um, over a period of time as they become available. Yeah. Okay. And Ben. 
My question is for Rod. Uh, are we forming an Australian um, ad agra or are we coming under the American umbrella and what's the membership involved? Okay, yet to be determined. All these hard questions. <laughs> okay, um, this, this afternoon after lunch, um, the organisers are sitting down and having a meeting, uh, partly to take consideration of your suggestions that you're going to give us in the next half an hour or so, um, to plot the, the, the course forward. And I guess there's a number of options before us, and I'll just be frank about it. One of them is to start an association here. Um, we've had discussions with Adagra uh, in, in America, and the consideration is that we start our own association here in this country. And uh, the other consideration or possibility is that the conference uh, just continues under the general umbrella of Eastwood and our activities. Um, and so, not sure yet, um, so those decisions will be made in the next little while. Um, so please, please put that to prayer. Um, we want this to be a movement, we don't want it to be inhibited in any way. We, we, want, we, we just need God to take those stumbling blocks out, except for those ones that he, he wants to put in our way so that he can, he can, uh, he can teach us. Um, so, yeah, please pray about that. Thanks for your question, Ben. Uh, anyone else? Thanks, Tanya. Um, I'll just have a suggestion. Uh, one of my friends is a farmer and in the farming community, and so this is a really awful time of year for them. Um, so, and also going to other states of Australia, what will be the plans? Because it's a long way. And yeah, if there's going to be things happening around Australia, not, not just the East Coast, because it's always the East Coast. <laughs> uh, being a West Australian, um, I can completely empathise with what you're saying, Tanya. Um, we started here for one simple reason, and that is where most of the people are. And this is where... Well, it was close to home too, that was important. Um, sorry for those further afield, but... Um, completely understand where you're coming from, and... The committee that's going to be set up to take it from here will obviously consider that exactly. Uh, venues are a challenge. Um, any venue that we don't own ourselves is very expensive. And it's very expensive to set up our own venue. You know, we've got 270 acres an hour's drive from here where we could all go and camp there. Right? Amen. <laughs> but you need to bring your tent, okay, and your... Boots. <laughs> okay, and so, uh, so venue's really important. All right, so pray about that. Please join us in prayer. Um, the other thing is, you know, is there going to be anything else? You know, we'd love to, and as we go along, as people are going to share ideas, we want to go further than a conference, right? Sitting down for three or four days, it's fantastic. We hear a lot. But what about learning a little bit and then put it into practice? Learning a little bit and then putting it into practice. You know, I'd be happy to teach you how to use the stirrupo in my garden. Um, okay, so we're looking at... So we really... This is why we want your suggestions, right? Because you're going to have some ideas. Some of our panel members have got some great ideas that we're going to be praying about and pursuing. But please, the, what's the saying? Uh, the world is our... Our oyster, okay. This is the start of a movement. Where it's going to go, where God's going to lead us, we've got no, lead us, we've got no idea. Okay, coming regarding your friends that are probably today harvesting, 
grain in South Australia today and couldn't be here. Um, the primary reason why we had the conference at this time of year, because it's a crazy time for me, you might have seen me leave at four o'clock this morning to go home and try to keep my garden alive, um, is because if we didn't do it this time of year, Darren couldn't be here, Edwin and Jennifer couldn't be here, Whitmar couldn't be here, John and Pam couldn't be here. Because this, they've just finished their growing season, right? Okay, things have slowed down and they're coming into, into winter. So we took the call, although it's not a good time of year for Australians, it was impossible for them to come when it was a good time of year for us. So that's something we're going to have to manage down the track until we have enough agronomists, so Whitnamar doesn't have to come anymore, and we have enough families that have had the experience, so John and Pam, you know what I mean? So these guys can stay home or go to Moldova or Belarus or somewhere to an agriculture conference that started there. So that's something we're going to have to juggle, but fantastic considerations, Tanya. Anyone like to comment on those struggles of managing, organising conferences and things? or? Pleasing everyone all at once? Okay, you've realised it's impossible, so you're going to keep quiet. Good. Any more questions? Paul. Okay, so I'd, I'd like to hear, if it's possible, just a, a brief summary of what you would recommend for the soil testing process. Um, and I guess I'd like to hear what Australian options do we have. I'd like to hear mention of Albrecht and also... Um, Whitmar, I've heard you're a consultant in interpreting results, so if your answer can embrace those three, that'd be great. Uh, watch Whitmar's DVDs. <laughs> I just know that Paul was in the market gardening stream, so, okay, a brief overall. Yeah, very summary, short summary. Yeah, we didn't really get into the, I didn't, didn't do a class specific on soil testing. Um, there are lots of labs you can have soil tests done by. I only understand one process, and it's the process that Dr. Albrecht developed. There was a lab here in, the, in Australia that was started in to be able to do that, but they decided to do their own thing. Uh, so that's not available anymore. I do do consulting. I can do soil recommendations for anyone. They can uh, go to the U.S. to have, they have to go to the U.S. to be analyzed. Um, if you're going to do soil testing, you, you need to know what the, the, the information you're getting is. So let's say uh, someone came up to me and brought me a, a um, soil test from Logan Labs and wanted to know what I thought. Well, I'm a little bit familiar with their process. <coughs> I'm not comfortable enough I could make a recommendation. But the biggest issue was they got no recommendation. They got a lab report back with information on it, but they didn't know what to do with it. Hmm. So unless you know what to do with the information you receive, no matter what lab it's from, uh, be sure you have somebody that knows what that information means so that they can help you to, to apply it. Otherwise, you need to be sure that you're getting a recommendation in addition to the lab analysis that's done. Of course, I recommend that the lab that I use because I've worked with it for 26 years and it works. A lot of labs use the, the cation exchange modeling that Dr. Albrecht developed, but they've changed their analytical and interpretive protocols to make it faster and cheaper. 
and the, the numbers that they, the resulting numbers that they get in their analysis are not consistent with the modeling, but they try to apply it to that modeling. And when you do that, you never hit the target because you're trying to match apples and oranges and they don't match. That doesn't mean that the labs are not competent, it just simply means that their numbers mean something else. So you have labs here in Australia, if there's somebody that works with that lab and they know how to work those numbers, then by all means you could do that. My experience has been that they try to match those apples and oranges and you never hit the target. And I've mentioned in my class that the end result should be an elimination of disease and pest pressure. That's a principle. And so if you don't achieve that, then you should be dissatisfied with whatever results you're getting with whoever you're working with. It doesn't happen overnight, but I've been there and I've experienced that. I know of uh, farms as large as 7,000 acres that have no disease and pest pressure on them. Now they've been working for 15 years to get there. But I am available and I'm happy to help people. I actually have resisted. Kinsey Ag wants me to put my my information on their consulting page, but I haven't done it yet because I'm trying to reserve the time I do have for Adventists who are trying to fulfill the mission of the church. So I am happy to do that, and I'm happy to give anybody the, my email so that they can get a hold of me or talk to, to whoever about how to make that work. You can send them directly to Kinsiag. You don't have to send them through me. Um, the, the difference would be it takes, you know, from the time they receive them, it usually takes them three to four weeks to get your recommendation back to you. It usually takes me about a uh, week and a half to two weeks to have it back to you. And my experience has been most people, this is really new to them. And so even though they get the recommendation, and I'm pretty detailed with what I recommend, how I recommend it, they still are needing some input, some feedback on where to go from with the information they have. So I'm a lot more available in that respect. It does cost a little bit more to do that, and I don't care which way you do it, you can send it straight to Kinsey Ag and get it back, or you can work with me either which way. I'm, it's just the most important thing is to have good information, because good information helps you to make good decisions, and then those good decisions lead to good outcomes. Excellent, thanks. Can I just add something? I've um, sent a number of soil tests through Kinsey Ag myself now. Just backing all the way back to Step number one is actually collecting your soil sample and packaging it correctly. Um, because we're sending Australian soil into America, there is a correct way of doing that. Um, it's very easy to get your hands on the correct paperwork, uh, but you do have to include the correct paperwork to get through customs. So um, if you've got any questions on that, maybe just come and see me and Thanks. I'll direct you. Thanks, Teresa. It's, it's a little bit... Um, the first time you do it, you might feel a little bit overwhelmed, um, but once you've done it once, you know what you're doing. And all you need is the correct paperwork and to, I guess, put it in the correct order and with the, lab you know, the correct labelling on the packaging that mm. goes through the mail. Uh, mm. It's easy to do, just a little overwhelming the first time. Thank you. And Ian? I know those of you that don't know Ian, Ian's just graduated with a, a degree or this week, isn't it? Yep. Graduating a degree in agriculture and his special interest is in the soil fertility um, that Whitmar's been sharing about. Um, do you want to say anything on that? And I have a question for you. Are, are you willing to start sharing and helping people a little bit? Um, 
I want to. Good. Um, but it is new, and I'm still, you know, I'm getting into the swing of it. Um, and so I don't want to stretch more than what I can do. Okay. Um, but yeah, I am. I will probably start um, and launch some independent form of service at some point, and I will try to work with um, through the Kinsey Lab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the moment, it's really just being developed trying to develop my knowledge base, trying to implement it, gathering that experience because there's not that many. Most of it, you know, it's book knowledge. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to helping in that avenue. Excellent. It sounds like we need to build a lab in Australia maybe. That would be great. But uh, that is also work. <laughs> and money. Yeah, that, I've, I've actually talked to you and that. That's my hope okay. is that... Um, if you have somebody here in Australia that can help you, there's no point in you having somebody outside of Australia help yeah. Amen. you. Uh, and we need to multiply that, not, not just one more, but we need a whole lot more. Um, there are two other consultants in Australia that, that know how to do this. Peter Norwood, and I, I can't recall that. They have an operation in New Zealand and here. I can't recall that man's name right at the moment. So there are there are other people here too that can do that for you. Okay, so anyone that's particularly interested in that, contact me if you don't have Whitmar's contact details and we'll, or we'll send it out in an email or put it up on our website or, or something like that. Fantastic. Okay, um, I just, just had someone uh, send me a message on my phone. Don't forget to encourage mums if they have questions about homeschooling or families in agriculture, etc. So ladies, if you're brave enough. Okay, uh, do we have another question? Yep. We, we've, ah, here we go. Go on, you Scott. We've, we've, got, we've got about another 20 minutes to go, so let's keep things tight. Okay, my question is with, really in regard to um, what's going to happen from here. So you've said, Rod, that this afternoon you, you, you're going to get together and form some type of an association or organisation. What, what I'd be interested to know is that um, is that association open to membership, one, um, and, uh, and what would be the criteria for that membership? Um, and would the criteria for that membership include, uh, be, be limited to just an agricultural pursuit or could it be interested to something a little broader that basically has a, what we would collectively understand as a a health emphasis or, um, <clears throat> yes, I'm <clears throat> kind of wondering whether we limit it just to that because, um, you know, since my involvement at Cedarvale Health Retreat and getting that up and running, while I was there, I uh, one of the things that really was, was, was just kept running through my mind all the time was um, that it's, it's, we need, we need centres of influence um, everywhere in any way, shape or form. This is obviously one, one modality or one paradigm, if you like. Um, but, um, for example, we have a business in, in, in Queensland where we do have some agricultural activity on our property, but basically we, we distribute health products to health food stores and pharmacy. But as an adjunct to that, we, we were running every Sunday a, an organic market on our property where the people came to. So I'm thinking there may be other people who do something like what we do or something a little bit different to what we do that maybe could be involved in, 
in the consideration of what you guys are thinking and planning. Excellent, Scott. Yeah. I'll just answer you uh, the first aspects of your question, and that is how what this is going to look like. Um, once again, to be advised. Um, we're really just initiating the discussion along that line this afternoon. And so I don't have any answers to give you what it's going to look like, how broad the membership, etc., etc. Um, but maybe then I can turn over to our panels and say, what's your experience been in America? Because I'm sure the same sorts of questions have been asked about the scope of AdAgra. And it seems that you've come to a conclusion about what that scope is at this point. Would one of John, Darren, one of you that have been in involved in the committees there um, like to comment on that? Thanks, Darren. Yeah, as of yet, we don't have membership in our association there. Um, people, many come to the conferences. Um, we've discussed it quite a bit and we're working towards that. We felt that it was necessary to have something of value more beyond just the conference to offer a membership. Um, so we feel that we're, we're getting there with having the magazine um, and then there's some other things that we're discussing. Nothing has been finalised. So we're, yeah, we're still working through it and the difficulty is, as John mentioned, we're farmers, we're busy and um, you know we, we uh, put the time that we're able to into it, but it just takes more than we have to, mm. to, to get it going faster. As far as <coughs> the inclusiveness of it, um, as I pointed out last night, this is open to all seeking to understand and follow God's plan for agriculture. But we have tried to, to limit exhibitors to things that have some um, connection with agriculture. Obviously, if, if you just leave it open-ended, you're going to have another ASI convention, which is a wonderful thing, but it's, you know, we want to stay focused. And so we have tried to limit it to something, of course, agriculture is very broad in and of itself, but something that is agriculture-related. The other thing that we have, I mean, education is still a big part of it, but the other thing that we have added in the last couple of years is sort of an encouragement to young people for entrepreneurship. So that, I think, is a little bit out of the realms of agriculture, but it's, it's kind of under the umbrella of the results of an agrarian life. Um, so Caleb will bring his wood carvings that's something that he's doing through our farm um, because we really do, as an association, want to encourage an entrepreneurial attitude in our young people. And so they're invited to come and have booths, but the adult population is much more limited to, um, to things that pertain to agriculture, education. Yeah, I guess those questions are ones that any committee from here on is going to need to consider. Um, you notice we didn't send out notifications to you if you've got something to sell, come and bring it. Um, we just decided this time to keep it really simple and so that's why you've seen Eastwood Foods and Eastwood Books and then um, John and Pam born to grow and Caleb with his, little, his wood carvings there. So, um, but next year, obviously, um, if this is going to go um, any larger, then it would be great to give people the opportunity to bring what they're doing um, 
probably along the same sort of lines as, as you've come to the conclusion. Uh, any more questions? Jared. Regarding the um, abundance of genetic modified plants, have we thought of using a seed bank of some form to keep preserved um, uncontaminated seeds of good healthy varieties of different types of plants that other people may be able to purchase and continue the supplying of seeds that would be of benefit for other people? Thank you. Anyone like to speak on that? The practicalities of having a seed bank or running a seed business? And just say there's a whole list of things we'd love to do, <laughs> um, but and you know as the Lord opens the doors, that would be wonderful. But at this point, we're not even doing very well. The three things that we started out, you know, the conference, the magazine, and the website. So, you know, we. Obviously, we can't do it all. It really has to be a membership-run organization, and you know, we just encourage anyone with a passion and, and a, a dream to, to do what they can to make it happen, and we'll support in whatever way we can. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of infrastructure missing, mm. and... I think that that an association or something like that is better to facilitate cooperation. You know, we have one of the big problems we have is with finding the right materials in the U.S. because you know all the big growers use NPK and the cheapest source, and mom and pop use a blend from the nursery. And to be specific, uh, it it's difficult unless you're in a, a diversified agricultural area to find the, the right materials. And so that kind of excludes a lot of gardeners who can't, uh, that only need a few pounds of each thing. They're not going to buy large bags of, so, I mean, that's just an illustration. Seeds, which were brought up. Information, resources like that. I think if, if an association can facilitate uh, and inspire people to maybe take up a responsibility for those things and then uh, make, communicate that it's available, mm. that, that's a good way of, of doing it. But we mm. do, there's definitely a lot of things that need to happen you know, it'd be wonderful to have our own lab. Um, and we actually have the money and some of the technical ability to ha make that happen, but we can't get the access to the, the analytical information that we need. It's being guarded. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know that an association needs to have all of these things under its umbrella, but rather facilitating, communicating the need and inspiring people maybe to help fill that. Yep. Fill that need in communicating that knowledge to be, you know, others. Fantastic. There may be an opportunity for someone young to um, start a business here in Australia. Yeah. There's a um, guy, an Adventist guy, who started his own seed business, um, grew up gardening, loved it, saved his seeds. Uh, his name's Jerry Gettle, or Jerry, is, but is actually pronounced Jer. Um, Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds or rareseeds.com and it's a multi-million dollar business now and um, while I don't use their seeds because they're mainly catering to the um, uh, home grower market um, it's amazing to see how this has just exploded in a, in, a, in a very short amount of time he actually pays guys 
to travel the world and go to different countries and find rare seeds, and he has a huge, big catalogue. I mean, and this ca catalogue is now in major bookstores around the country, and it's just, it's really huge. Uh, Check his website, he might be hiring. You know, send you to South America looking for heirloom seeds. Anyone interested? Sounds fantastic. Okay, uh, did you have something to say, Edmund? Yeah, I just wanted to say again that the opportunities for entrepreneurship yeah. are, are big. And uh, to me, an association, as Whitmar said, can facilitate that. And I think we can also look at it as, as an opportunity to put ourselves as Adventists before the rest of the world. Yeah, That's, you know, it's a, it's a form of outreach as well. Yeah. So. By the way, on the seed front, um, some of you will be familiar with Eden Seeds. It's been, a, been around for a long time. It's currently for sale. I'm not suggesting you rush out and buy it. That might not be entrepreneurship. That might be slavery to the bank. But, um, yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Wayne Martin from Western Australia? Uh, I think he's now down in Okay. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're talking about Steve Martin. Okay, Steve, Steve and his wife Karen run a, a seed business down on the south coast called The Lost Seed. The Lost Seed. Yeah, and Karen's great at sourcing all sorts of those lost seeds and making them available. Just like to make another comment about the um, Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company. They give a lot of seed away to schools. So those of you who are involved in a school, um, and you can actually write to them or call them, contact them, and they will donate, um, you know, a significant amount of seed worth a lot of money. Just be ready to pay the six hundred dollars for the quarantine and inspection service to open every packet and verify that it's pure. I had that experience. <laughs> It's quite a pain. Yeah, a lot of the things, a lot of the things that I was wanting to bring in from the states, I they just said, "Sorry, you just can't have them." So it's it's really difficult. So if you can get them into New Zealand, then across the ditch, we'd be really appreciative of that. Okay. Um. Ah, Richard. Yes. Then we're going to move to. We, we've only got ten more minutes. Um, so I'd really like to move to hearing your suggestions about where to go from here. Okay, with, with us as a group, and I, f I, I pray that you feel that sense of community. Um, what are we going to do with the opportunity we have before us? Um, I, I've got two questions. Um, first one, assuming that you've got workable soil and you have water available, what is the minimum si minimum size um, plot of land, uh, cultivatable land, that you can um, earn an income from? That's one question. A, a living income, as in to support a family? Uh, enough to support a family. Okay. Um, then the second question is, um, and this is a, more of a personal one, I've got uh, something going at the moment that's going to take 50% of my time at least, um, can you earn, uh, what kind of income can you earn if you're working only half time on your property? Um, is that a viable thing for earning a full-time income as well? 
Excellent, thank you. Let's keep the answer brief but comprehensive. There's, um, I'm trying to remember the names, John, with the microgreens that are doing it in the garage. Um, Tiffany's, yeah. Uh, they have a, a setup in a just a garage. I mean, it's not very big. And they're growing microgreens, and obviously they're using lights, artificial light. But I forget how much they're earning from that, but they don't have much space, and um, it would probably be a half-time. It's not the ideal outdoor sort of a situation, but it's an example that you can do something small on a small amount of um, land and earn something significant. So but if I remember rightly, um, I've forgotten the wife's name, Lucille cares for her mother-in-law full-time and does run, runs the microgreen business. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And yeah, so um, mm. small area, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, okay. But I, I think um, it, that's a very subjective question because it's very relative to where you're located and what your markets are. And um, you know, if you're close to a good market and you have a specialty crop, you can grow on a very small amount of space and earn you know a significant amount of money. Um, I think in our case, over the six years that we've been farming, the sweet basil that we're growing um, can be grown in a, a less than a 3,000 square foot space uh, with an income of about $20,000 currently. And every year it just keeps growing. So, um, but that couldn't be replicated in every place. So it's, that's a kind of a difficult question to say how much land do you need As I shared in our class, you know, there are, uh, there's a whole new crop of market gardeners that are doing amazing things on very small pieces of land. Um, Curtis Stone, this last year, earned over $100,000 on a quarter of an acre. So there are, you know, and that's not to say you can go do the same thing, um, but what can be done on a small acreage is quite amazing. You know, as far as to the second part of your question, I wouldn't want to discourage you, but I've always said um, there's no such thing as a part-time farmer. <laughs> you may be getting a part-time income, but it's usually full-time work. Um, so I don't know if there's any other comments on that. Yeah, like Darren said, it's, it's fairly subjective. If you wanted to do it on a part-time basis to develop your soil and your skills and everything, that might be worthwhile because that's going to play a big role in how profitable you can be on, on a smaller piece of ground. You know, what is the condition of the ground you're working with? What are your management skills, your knowledge base and everything before you can really, and then of course markets. A lot of the guys making large incomes are growing very specific crops and are going into high dollar markets. Um, one of the things that I always encourage is people to look at the reality that you can't sustain yourself calorie-wise on microgreens. And not all markets are high dollar markets. So we need to really be addressing the other issue of how can we provide food to anybody and everybody.
but yeah, the part-time thing, if you wanted to just try to, you really need, in order, these guys have really got honed their skills. And so they're really good at what they do. That's probably their biggest asset is their, their management skills, their ability to manage the crops that they're growing and the markets that they're selling them into. So it's not impossible, and more and more people are actually doing this. Um, so, but it's not impossible to, on a very small amount of space, to produce a, a living. Quickly, I just Pam? add one thing: efficiency and speed. Not everyone has that natural bent to efficiency or to speed, and those are really important if you're going to do intensive growing and you're going to try to make a bigger amount of money on a smaller amount of land. All these guys are super fast. Mm. Thank you. All right, as I mentioned, I'd like to switch over now to your ideas about where we may go from here. So we've had a couple so far. Tanya suggested we consider the time of year to make it more available to a wider range of people as well as consider changing where the venue is once again to make it more available to people and possibly, I think she intimated as well, consider different types of activities, not just the seminar. Um, would anyone like to, I know we've got a couple of people up the front with some ideas. Um, has anyone had any thoughts that they'd like to share? No, no one's rushing forward. Okay, as you're coming, I, I got a text, here we go, <laughs> are we living in the electronic age or what? Um, suggestion from a camper for next year, a day or two at the end of the conference for fellowship, prayer and fasting for reformation and for real change. Also, camping at Eastwood or some similar facility would be great, then younger children might have more scope as well with gardening, picking, weeding, walking, swimming, canoeing, etc. So I guess the general emphasis, make it more practical, uh, wider experiences and etc, uh, etc. Et uh, just on the concept of a day or two at the end, um, you all would have received an email, um, when was that, Tuesday or Monday, where we extended the invitation to anyone to come back to Eastwood and camp. We can't provide you food or accommodation because we're chock-a-block already with these good people um, in our home, but you're welcome to come and camp, use our ablution block there, use our garden to hone your practical skills and continue to quiz these ladies and gentlemen. So um, turn up this evening preferably if you could let me know you're coming uh, before you turn up, that'd be great. But So there's a couple of days. We should have announced it a long, long time earlier so you could make provision, but you're welcome to come. Okay, brother. Yeah, um, first of all, thanks a lot for giving us this opportunity. Um, thanks for your thanks. What I'm suggesting is maybe to keep this forum going, 24 by 7, 365 days a year, and it's actually possible to have uh, free... For, to use a free forum website with a panel of moderators, so it doesn't have to be one person who has all the burden on himself. And the people can freely chat, exchange, share photos, and what have you, you know. Uh, it's electronic media, so you can have videos and stuff like that attached. And um, yeah, it's, it wouldn't be just me sending an email to you, Rod, and you giving me the contact of you know, somebody else. Yep. It would be just a okay. direct communication between a member that would like to join. Obviously, this is also scalable to people outside which are not here today. 
and would like to join in and would definitely see a big interest, um, a huge interest explosion in and in new conferences hmm. that would that would be organized. Fantastic idea. The growth would just keep growing, you know, throughout all year round. Wouldn't be just uh, like me having received luckily this e an email telling me about the conference two weeks ago. It would just be, you know, people spreading the word all year round. Fantastic idea. Um, a forum, an online forum, way of communication. If anyone's here that has the skills and the time and the interest in facilitating something like that, come and see me, please. That's a fantastic idea. Okay, anyone else have an idea or a suggestion? All right, Teresa? I do have an idea. Um, I guess just a little bit of background though. Music camp is a blessing, isn't it? Amen. For those of you who are aware of the ministry of music camp, it's beautiful. And I was thinking the other day, wouldn't it be wonderful for our young people to have an agriculture camp where for, I don't know how long, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, I don't know. <laughs> but for some period of time, they could go to some place like maybe Eastwood and work beside people who have done it before and learn those skills and then I thought yeah that sounds great but what do you do after that you need you need some sort of internship like why teach them all of this for what purpose and then it occurred to me that there's a community that's already set up and that's the wolfing community i don't know if i say that correctly but it's it's an acronym that stands for willing willing workers on organic farms and if i understand the system correctly people who have the abilities the skills to work on farms can volunteer themselves to farms families who are in need of workers and they get housed on the property on the property of the farm and for the basically the worker gets um free board and food i think accommodation, accommodation and food uh for in exchange for i think it's somewhere around about four to six hours of work each day so i thought well why couldn't we send the young people who have been to agriculture camp and send them out in maybe groups of twos or threes into these places to work for these people as willing, happy, cheerful young people who will, just because of their nature and because God is living in them, they will be a witness in these homes. And in terms of supporting themselves financially, because they're only working four or six hours a day, could they not spend the other hours of their day simply going door to door in the local community doing LE work? Just an idea. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a, a modern day version of the uh, Waldensies going out two by two to spread the truth. And their trade is agriculture. Fantastic idea. Whitmer, were you, you ready with the microphone? No? Okay, so Ag Camp. Ag Camp. All right. So Music Camp goes for two weeks. Yeah. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Music Camp, we run that in the middle of the, the winter school holidays each year. Um, two weeks, um, young people come for... Oh, most of you probably would have heard from Emmanuel and Liesl 
the other night. So I won't go through the details because our time is short. But yeah, two weeks for that. Hmm, okay, food for thought. Anyone else got an idea? Suggestion. So you liked it just as it was. <laughs> Still digesting. Ben, thank you. I've got a question. Are you going to run all five streams for five years so we can at least get a stream once a year? <laughs> <laughs> Yet to be advised. <laughs> um, all right. Teresa, I think you might have another idea. Something else that's on my mind, and this is a dream that God planted in my heart some years ago, and I, I'm yet to actually action it. But we're in the process of actioning it, so one day it will happen. But the reason I share this with you is because if you've got a garden already, I actually think you could also be doing this. So this isn't just for me, I think this could be for anybody. We live in uh, half an hour out of Kempsey, and Kempsey has, as we heard yesterday, a very low socioeconomic standard of living. And the nutritional needs in Kempsey are significant. <laughs> you only need to drive up and down that town for a very short period of time, and you'll you'll get the feel of it. And I have a burden on my heart. Um, and it doesn't have to be in Kempsey, because not, not all of you are in Kempsey, but anywhere you live, there is a bad side of town, is there not? You know, there's the good side and there's the, the bad side. And um, I have a burden on my heart to, when we eventually get our garden up and running, that it will produce not just enough for our family, but also enough for us to share. You know, God is an abundant, giving God, and he has blessed us so much and I just want to let that blessing spill and where I want to let it spill is on the people who really need it the most the people who are nutritionally challenged and I know that in a place like Kempsey it's not going to be hard for us to find a street to go and share our abundance with my plan is that when it's up and happening, that we will spend Sabbath afternoons going into these streets with a boot full of produce and just simply open it up and share. And we've actually experimented just once already with this. We have chooks and we have, you will usually sell them, but we had a small excess one week and I said to the boys, why don't we go and share with the people in Kempsey? So I let the children choose the street that we were to go down and it was just um, one of those streets full of broken glass everywhere, dishevelled houses, dishevelled people, broken people. And we, <laughs> we didn't even have to go to the doors. The people were on the streets already. And we gave away the eggs and we had the most wonderful time doing it. And my children loved it. And they are looking forward to the day that we'll be able to do that out of our garden. Now, if you've got a garden, more than likely you've got produce that already is abundant, more than you can eat. Often you get, you know, those bursts of too many zucchinis or too many cucumbers or too many tomatoes. Take the things that you know they're going to eat. Don't take with them bunches of kale because they probably won't know what to do with kale at this point. Take them of the abundance of your strawberries in your tomatoes, 
in your corn. I know it's wonderful to share these with our neighbours and there is a time and a place for doing that. But how much more wonderful to share with those who are truly in need. Mm. Mm. It's going to be all sorts of forms of agriculture evangelism opening up. I believe Darren was sharing with me last night a brief experience from students at Weimar had where taking tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, for 20 minutes, half an hour, knocking on doors, offering people some cherry tomatoes as a gift and came back with a couple of Bible study contacts. There you go. Some of our students in the past um, did cucumber evangelism, knocking on people's doors, offering cucumbers and spending a couple of hours talking to these people about significant things. Okay, Scott, a suggestion? Yeah, suggestion. Um, th this suggestion has some negatives and some positives, which obviously need to be weighed out and balanced and applied. But um, I mentioned this in one of the meetings um, several years ago when I was um, on business in the States. I, I had the opportunity to go and travel up into Washington State. And I went specifically because I went to spend some time with a... Um, a um, Two ladies were running a business in Seattle called Urban Farmer, uh, no, Backyard Farmer. And uh, what they were doing it, is that they were, uh, they had trained themselves in organic um, agriculture and they were actually going and setting up f um, gardens in people's backyards for them. So, you know, the pe these, these are busy people, they're both working and whatever. Um, and so, they would go, they would, they would dig up their backyard or their front yard or between their driveway, wherever there was some, some space, and they would put a garden in for them. They would then come back and, um, <clears throat> and maintain the garden, pick the produce for the people, and leave a little box of fresh produce for those people. Now, it's obviously not in, you know, we're not, we're not living in the country or whatever, but it's just another, hmm. another, another, um, I saw it as a ministry opportunity because mm. you know you're you're that you're there perhaps once or twice a week, sorry, one either once a week or once a fortnight, um, on a regular basis and 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 interfacing with those people, and you could have as an adjunct books, mm. or uh, recipes or a whole bunch of things that you could add on to that, mm. to that um, that model. You know, it's just 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 another thought. So another entering wedge, another entering wedge. Thanks, Scott. Okay, our time is gone, but don't want to cut anyone's opportunity off if they'd like to. Okay, Whitmer. Yeah, I just wanted to point out, listening to all the suggestions here, there's as many ways to minister as there are people in this room. And so you don't want to narrow it down to so so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing that. Mm. I mean... It's it's limitless to the the opportunities. The couple I sat next to on the plane coming over here uh, live in Idaho. They're farmers, and they plant a whole section of their farm to give away. I've seen churches like you know it's being done here, where they plant they plant gardens and they plant crops, and they give them away. So you may not even go into you may not be a market garden. You may just have a garden in your backyard, and you do. You know, you have surplus and you share it with your neighbors. Mm. That's not things that happen in this world anymore. It's people sharing to, with each other. So don't limit it to just the ideas that are being shared mm. shared here. Mm. You may have one that you're thinking in your mind right now that, well, maybe not, but maybe. Mm. 
That's a really good idea, like a clearing house of ministry possibilities or ideas that people have. Yeah. So found fantastic. It sounds like the forum that's been suggested would be the perfect place for that. Have a little place where people can just put their ministry ideas and their testimonies about what's worked, and that'd be seriously inspiring, wouldn't it? Really inspiring. Okay. Um. It's time to close. But remember, right at the start, I, I suggested that this could be the beginning of a movement. Alan, um, you're, you're a, a church historian with, you know, a special interest in agriculture. Um, in your reading, you've been around for a while. You know, in your presentation, you talked about different people that have been such leading lights. Um, have you come across anything like this before? Well, the one that comes to mind immediately is Madison and all the influence that it has. I guess I was referring specifically to Australia because those of you that haven't read the God's Beautiful Farm, the story of Madison College, as Andy was encouraging you, um, trying to sell you one this morning, I'd really encourage you to read it because then, like myself and Alan and probably everyone here on this panel, you will be just as inspired as we are with what God's done in the past and you will desire that same thing to be happening in Australia. So please do that. But anything like this that's happened in Australia before, Alan? Well, one of the um, Ellen White's aims originally at Avondale and so forth was to help the poor. And I'm just trying to think of some specific instances. But, yeah, she spoke about, I'm sure she mentioned in those early days, helping the poor neighbours around. Well, certainly she did. It's starting to come to my mind now. I, I remember one where... Um, a lady had had a baby and was struggling yeah. to feed it, she heard, so she took her a cow. Yeah, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, the Dysingers, um, Joe Patrick, your relation that lives near us, um, had a man on my property once when he found out I was a Seventh-day Adventist. He said, do you know Joe Patrick? And I said, yeah, go to the same church, etc. And he said, you know, when I was a young man and my wife had our first baby, we were really poor, she was struggling to feed the child. And Joe Patrick walked a cow from Papambara to where I worked, where I lived, and gave me. Walked up. I didn't know him. Said, "I hear you, your wife's struggling with milk. Here's a cow. Feed your baby." So there you go. Practical Christianity. Yeah, and from personal experience, I'd say that sweet corn is acceptable anywhere. <laughs> it's the best thing that grows to make friends. Okay, but have we had an agriculture conference in Australia before that you're aware of? Not that I know of, except there is mention in um, those early days, 1896 or so, of a, an Avondale Agricultural Society. Ah. But that's the closest thing to an agricultural association or conference that I've ever heard of. Remember we talked about life being a cycle. <laughs> Maybe God's just now able to bring us back around 100 years later to where he wanted us to be a hundred years ago. Isn't that a terrible yet a fantastic thought? That here we are, God has entrusted this thing that he loves to us.
I just want to say that's just come to my mind. My brother, who's not a Christian, he recently got a job in WA as marketing manager for Food Bank. And it has affected him badly in the fact that he, not that he gets depressed, but he can see all these people that are in need of food. So what he's been doing is, what his main job is, is that he goes to all the um, big corporate companies asking for donations uh, towards food bank. And as I was saying, he's not a Christian, but when we were visiting there last, normally when um, we have prayer for food with them, Tony and I do it together. This time he said, because he doesn't believe in God, he's an atheist, he said, we must pray. He's not praying to God, but he's praying that his family has got food. And um, it, was, uh, it was a great thing to see that he is appreciative as uh, as a family man, he's, he's providing for his children, whereas other people in this world can't. And so I, a thought just came to my mind that maybe um, we as agriculturists or whatever can donate mm. food to the food bank mm. so that people who are in need of food can eat and especially at this time of year, being Christmas, there's a lot of people out there that are needing donations of food so that they can have a good Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. So it's like possibly the world has set up a mechanism that we can use, like the woofing that you mentioned, Teresa, that we can use to be a blessing to others. Okay. Shall we finish? Let's just bow our head, heads and pray. Lord... We thank you for answering our prayer. I really believe we've had a significant conversation here, Father. Answers quest, uh, questions answered. Lord, uh, what we really need is to learn to rely on you and to rely on you for our guidance and direction. Thank you that you've given us each other, that we can support and encourage and share our experiences that you've led us through. But Lord, again, we humbly pray that you lead us from here on in. Um, the question was asked, has our enemy read and studied the Bible, read Christ object lessons, etc.? Um, our enemy knows agriculture inside and out. And he knows your will for us even better than we do. And Lord, so we pray for your special help for each of us as individuals now going home, that our reliance and our trust will be on you, not ourselves, that we will not be diverted from the path that you've set for us. So please bless us in our challenges. We accept, Lord, that you love us and you know what is best for our good. And Lord, just give us a heart that will put ourselves aside and surrender to your will for us. And Lord, this movement that we believe has started here this, this weekend, we just pray that you'll guide and direct and may it fulfill your purpose 
whatever that may be. And please reveal that purpose to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.